there have been sleepless nights. Like I'm not, I'm not going to lie. We've had some issues. Like we've had bed bugs in two of our buildings. And so that, that was difficult. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to where should I invest real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back. It is Sarah Larby and you are listening to Where Should I Invest? I hope you had a great week and looking forward to the weekend. Today's guest is George L. Massery, who's been on my podcast prior, I would say a couple of years ago, but he's definitely grown a lot since. And uh, he went from one to 17 properties in just four years. And he's been able to do really, really well using the Burr strategy my favorites probably always will be my favorites and we talk about financing refinancing some insights on that when to sell rental properties to redeploy the capital for more growth and a lot more so i hope you guys enjoy the podcast and if you haven't left a rating and review please do so on wherever you're listening to this podcast i would really appreciate it and on that note let's bring in george george welcome to the show how are you I'm doing well, thanks. And yourself? Good. I'm excited to have you on. I think you've been on, but it's been so long that we've got to catch up and you've done so much since then. And uh, I'm really excited to have you talk to us about like what you've been doing the last couple of years. Before we get into that, can you share with us how you got started in real estate investing and what your portfolio looks like? Sure. Yeah. So I just, I, I was a student at university, had a full-time job doing really boring work. I got fired one day. And it, I just felt like this huge weight lifted off my shoulders. I was so happy to be able to figure out what I wanted to do. And I got into real estate sales. Uh, so I got my real estate license with the intention of becoming a real estate investor one day. Uh, and so, yeah, in 2017, I picked up my first property. It was a really rough property in Hamilton that I fixed, refinanced, and uh, completed the birth strategy. And then from then, I just kind of kept repeating and, and doing it over and over. Very cool. And let's fast forward to today. And uh, what does today look like from a portfolio standpoint? Yep. We've got 17 doors at this time. And so this year we had a lot of like a lot of units that were turned over that we renovated cash for keys, evictions, all sorts of things. So yeah, we're still growing and just, you know, just continuing to, to get better at this and, um, you know, to recycle the capital. Amazing. I think when we first met, and because you have a podcast as well, I think you had like four, four doors, maybe. No, no, I, mean, no. I, I think I had one, one to one door when I first started okay. uh, the podcast. Yeah. So you scaled very quickly. I mean, this is a matter of what, like four years, three years. Um, yeah. So 2017 till now for just, just about four years. Amazing. So you, you've scaled, you know, from basically one to, to 17 in that time frame. Uh, how did you do that? Um, well, the, the birth strategy was the obvious, um, the obvious thing that led to the growth, but I think just like continuously educating myself, learning from other people, hiring a coach. And then also, um, before we started recording, I was kind of telling you about, uh, what happened with my wife. So she had this condo in Toronto that we, uh, we were renting out for a bit and the tenant decided to leave last year when the price, the rent prices dropped, like right after COVID happened. So we were basically looking at the numbers and we were going to have to spend 500 bucks a month out of pocket to hold on to this condo. 
And so I was just telling my wife, like, this doesn't make sense. I, I don't think this is the best use of the capital. So why don't we sell it? Um, sorry, refi to start and then maybe look at selling it at some point. Um, and that's what we did. We, we ended up selling the condo and using the proceeds to buy a fourplex in St. Catharines, which we just refied. And we ended up buying a triplex in Hamilton as well, using some of the money from, from that sale. And uh, it was a much, much better uh, choice for us, I think, overall for our portfolio. That's amazing. I mean, so personally, I'm biased. Like, I like multifamily. I think that's where it's at at this point in time and, you know, this year and onwards from a price standpoint and a cash flow standpoint. But some people are still, you know, interested in condos and there's pros and cons, um, you know, but, but maybe, you know, from, from your standpoint, you know, why... Why did you want to buy a condo to begin with? And why was it a good reason to, uh, to dispose of it? Just to make things clear, I didn't buy a condo. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy a condo. <laughs> My wife bought a condo and this was the first place she bought and she lived in. Okay. And then when we got together, we, we moved in together. So she, she rented it out thinking okay. it's going to appreciate basically. So it was like um, it was a, yeah. an appreciation play more than anything. It was, yeah, it was like, it was her home. So she lived there and uh, she just kept it after we moved in together. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So you sold it for, for a profit likely and took those proceeds to buy some cash flowing properties. Uh, why St. Catharines? Why Hamilton? St. Catharines. So the, I mean, those are like, I really like Welland and St. Catharines and Hamilton as well, but I feel like uh, there were a lot of opportunities at the time when we bought, I think since then prices have appreciated quite a bit and there's still opportunities there, but the price point was right. We bought a fourplex for 465 and uh, we ended up evicting two non-paying tenants, turned over those units and um, there was already a vacant unit. So we fixed that. We fixed three out of the four units and refied it just recently for 840. Awesome. So a huge, huge jump from 465 in one year. And I, to answer your question, I think that's why there is room to, to force appreciation and to continue to cash flow after refinancing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just, just curious, was this property on MLS? Was it off MLS? Was it a private deal through a wholesaler? Yeah, it was a private deal. It was actually my own. I sourced it myself through a marketing campaign. So uh, that was one of the reasons we got such a good deal on it. Nice. That's awesome. So, I mean, you've been doing this for, for a little while, but you've still scaled pretty quickly. What are some of the, maybe the, the insights or the strategies that you were able to deploy to help get you from, you know, one to 17 doors? The biggest leap for me was when I hired a coach, like having that, that mentor to create these systems and this, um, this kind of foundation for me was a huge leap because that's how I got into multi-units because of his help. And uh, I incorporated and did all these things that investors do eventually. And he just accelerated my growth substantially. And so I think if I have to attribute one thing to my, to how much I've scaled, it's, it's the coach. That was the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how you can uh, fast forward and learn through others' mistakes and in, in years of trial and error and, and avoid some of those, right? Uh-huh. And what about from a financing standpoint? Like, are you financing those in a core umbrella mortgage? Are you uh, like doing it with joint ventures? Like walk us through some of that. Yeah, we, we were. So like we had this uh, fiveplex that we were able to finance ourselves and uh, the last purchase we did, 
sorry, finance ourselves the fiveplex through RBC because it's the only major lender that will do five units. But yeah, the last one we did, we had to go through CIBC because they look at the property DCR instead of looking and at DCR our GDS and TDS. for debt coverage ratio. Just, I just want to make sure everyone's on the Yeah, screen. sorry. I should no, no, clarify. No, that's so yeah. basically if, if you're, so like if they have like a 1.1 or 1.2 DCR, can you explain what that means? Yeah. So that means that the income generated from the property is 1.1 or 1.2 times the expenses that the cost to, to operate the property pretty much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so for CIBC, they have a program. If you have three or more properties, they'll look at the debt coverage ratio of the property itself instead of looking at your total debt. Because when you have a, a bunch of mortgages, your debt's going to be really high and a lot of lenders are going to be more strict or, or won't lend as easily. Uh, so that's kind of what we had to do on the last one. Moving forward, I don't know exactly what our uh, financing ability is going to be, but we do have some partners and um, they're, they are getting financing. So uh, that's kind of the direction we're headed in. Very cool. So can I ask like how, if any, has your life changed for the better, for the worse, more work, less work? Like how, how has your lifestyle evolved? We're still in the growth phase. So I think like, yeah, there life has changed because I was selling a lot of real estate before spending a lot of time selling real estate. And now I'm spending a lot of time managing our assets. So, you know, like constantly dealing with contractors and then um, on the refi end, doing all that stuff. Uh, so yeah, my life has changed in that sense. My focus has changed. I can't say that I've at this point, I've I'm able to enjoy the fruits of our labor just yet. It's going to take some time to get there. Uh, but I, I do see that our net worth has, has grown substantially. Like there's no way I would have done this. I would have gotten to this point without investing in real estate, no chance. And I know that the next few years life is going to be a lot easier. And, that, and that's the reason that we're sacrificing now and you know, do, doing all the things we have to do to, to grow the portfolio. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey everyone, I just wanted to pause and share with you a financing tip that helped me scale my portfolio and can also help you as well. By working with Streetwise Mortgages, I took a strategic goals-based versus a transactional approach to financing and they've helped me develop a financing roadmap that aligned with my goals and gave me some crystal clear clarity on where the money will come from to grow, how to maximize my borrowing power, how to structure future deals and avoid some costly mistakes, saving me thousands along the way. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise and also very recently, they've offered an additional summary report of the best to invest 18 Ontario markets and also a comprehensive deep dive research into a market of your choice out of those 18. I highly recommend that you take them up on that offer. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, to book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, like it doesn't happen overnight and I'm glad that you shared that piece because it's not just because you've got, you know, a bunch of properties that you can put your feet back and relax. It's based on the goals and, and just stabilizing the portfolio. And for me, it, it took me probably the good first four years to, to realize that my life was actually changing, you know, and, and to feel the difference. Uh, and then it kind of snowballs, you know, from there onwards. What are some of the things that you're 
you know, maybe finding that you're spending a lot of time doing, I mean, you mentioned obviously the, the contractor piece as you're, as you're growing, but I think it's important for, you know, people to get the real, the realness of real estate investing. And it's not all about like, cool, like I'm, you know, I made 200 K doing this bird deal or whatnot. Yeah. Like there's, there's other parts to it that are not as like flashy or exciting. And like, you know, if you could be real with, with the viewers or, or the listeners yeah. and, and uh, share a little bit of that, that'd be awesome. Sure. There have been sleepless nights. Like I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, we've had some issues, like we've had bed bugs in two of our buildings. And so that, that was difficult because the first building that had bed bugs, the owner lied to us actually both times they lied to us. Um, so I, I took on this property that's tenanted, basically fully tenanted, no, not knowing there were bed bugs. So for those that don't know, if you have bed bugs in the building and you have tenants that are not the cleanest, it's very hard to get rid of them. You can get treatment, you can spray chemicals, you can do whatever you want, but it's not going to solve the root of the problem, which can almost only be had if you have a vacant building or if you have tenants that are following every single preparation step. So yeah, that's, that's been like really challenging in some respects because I've had to do cash for keys with a lot of these tenants to get them out. And this is just something that we started doing recently. And um, yeah, I mean, I hate it when owners lie and it sucks, but you get stuck in this situation and you just have to figure out a way to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you're mentioning that the, the owners lied, like, was there any recourse that you could have taken from a legal standpoint or anything like that? Or, or did you not bother? Uh, so for the first one, I actually did a hold back through the lawyer on the day before closing because I did a, a walkthrough mm -hmm. just to make sure everything was good. And the tenants actually told me that there is a bed bug problem the day before closing. So yeah, we did a, a slight hold back with the lawyer, but it wasn't nearly enough. Like just, just for your, to put things in context, if you have a multi-unit with bed bugs, you can probably expect to, to, that it'll cost you like 30, 35,000 to, to fix the problem if it's tenanted between paying fa uh, cash for keys, uh, the treatment, like all this stuff, it, missed rent from holding vacant units. It's going to cost you quite a bit. So yeah, that was that little holdback. It was my first time, you know, dealing with this and I didn't know what to expect. So uh, it is it is a bit costly, but that's what I did. The second one, it's still kind of in process. Uh, we just recently closed on that building. So I, I don't have a result for you just yet. <laughs> no worries. But I, I think what you said was super important. And I tell all of my students to do this is make sure you save one of your walkthroughs before you close on the property to go the day before. Because I mean, obviously in this case, you learned about the bed bugs. You could have probably learned it before, but I've had situations where there was still a bunch of crap and garbage and I've specifically asked for it to be removed. Well, you could hold back for, cause you might have to get a dumpster to like yeah. throw crap in. And you know, originally how I learned and hopefully people here learn from, you know, my mistake. So they don't make the same mistake is I didn't do that. And I had to get two dumpsters full of garbage that I had to pay for. I got lucky that the, the, the seller did end up paying for it, but it could have gone completely the other way. Yeah. And so, you know, ever since then, you just always, always, always do a full check, especially if you're asking them to remove everything. If you've gotten an offer that you could, they can leave whatever, like it's different story, but mm -hmm. you, you factor that in. But the last final walkthrough, and then the, the most important thing, if you're buying something and you expect it to be vacant <laughs> for whatever reason, if that's, if that's the arrangement that you've made, if you still have somebody in the house and they don't look like they're leaving, well, don't close on that because then they can become your problem. So you, I think you did what 
you know, I would have done too is you let your lawyer know, hey, we got to do a holdback or you got to push closing date out because they are yeah. not abiding by what's on the agreement. For sure. A hundred percent. And I've learned to do that from the same sort of thing, like for, through experience of having people leave garbage and whatever. So you learn eventually that you should revisit, take pictures, send it to your lawyer, and they'll, they'll kind of figure out what's appropriate to hold back based on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you've got, you know, obviously the, the bed bug uh, situation, um, you know, where else are you spending a lot of your time? Like if you had to give some advice to a new investor that's looking to just acquire a lot of property really fast, any other insights that you can share? Yeah. If you're, um, if you're in a position to buy, like obviously you're going to be spending a lot of time looking for deals, looking for opportunities. Uh, so it depends on like, at this point, I'm not exactly focused on that because I'm just dealing with what we have, but there have been points this year where I would spend hours looking for deals every single day and uh, just going to visit properties and uh, see, meeting with these private sellers and just figuring out what, where are the opportunities, you know, uh, educating yourself on the market, that type of thing. It takes, it takes some time to really get familiar. So you know what you're getting yourself into. Absolutely. And, and prior to that, you were mentioning some marketing that you've, uh, you've been doing, you know, are there any, any tips that you can share on somebody that wants to try to do their own canvassing, their own marketing to find some off market deals? Yeah, I think you need to narrow your focus and know exactly what kind of property you want, because there are wholesalers out there that obviously do really well, just like kind of mass marketing. But if you don't have that budget and you don't want to spend that kind of money, then know exactly what you want and target those properties and it'll save you money. It'll save you time. And I just think that's, that's the way to go. Yeah, for sure. So did you do door knocking? Did you pick a, a UPS or a, you know, a route essentially to, to deliver information on, or like, are you able to share a little bit more of, of what you did? Yeah, sure. Um, so what I, what I actually like to do sometimes I'll just drive around and I'll go and look at properties that I like that kind of meet my criteria. And I write down the address. Um, so it might take me like two, three hours driving. And then I, when I get back, usually I'll do a little campaign, reach out to those properties or try to reach out to them and uh, maybe send them like a letter in the mail or something and, and try to get them and explain what I'm looking for and why I, I picked their property specifically. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, I go about it that way for the most part. Amazing. I mean, you know, you've got to cast a wide net, in my opinion, of all the different ways that we can find deals, right? So obviously, there's the, the typical MLS option, get a good realtor. Sometimes realtors have pocket listings, pocket deals. And, you know, wholesalers get on all their wholesaling lists. I mean, again, some deals are deals and some deals are not deals. So you, know, you need to know yeah. your numbers as, as you're looking through those. And yourself, right? You can do door to, you know, door, to door driving around, writing down the addresses, sending them information. Um, it sounds like it's worked for you to, to get, you know, mm -hmm. even though it was bed bug infested, it sounds like it was a good deal at the end of the day. It was definitely a good deal. It's still like, I, I don't regret it at all. It's just, has it been stressful at times? Yes, it has been. I'm, I'm not going to pretend like it's all, you know, beautiful and uh, it's a wonderful thing all the time. Yeah, for sure. So what's, what's next for you? I mean, you know, are you looking to acquire more in the same areas, same type of, you know, bird, typical multifamily deals, or are you looking to do something different? Uh, yeah, definitely get some more multis under my belt. But uh, one of my goals would be to get an apartment building in the near future. Definitely need some partners for that. I, I'm, I'm not looking to, you know, dish out that kind of capital just on my own. 
But uh, yeah, that's one of the big things. I think uh, apartment buildings are an amazing opportunity and there are so many of them that uh, th there's room to improve and, and apply the burst strategy. So that's, that's going to be one of the, the main things going into 2022. Amazing. Awesome. I love the burst strategy. I mean, you can do it with everything, right? You can do it with apartments, you can do it with conversions, you can do it with multifamily of, of various kinds. You can, you know, do it with short-term, long-term leases. Like there's so much opportunity to, uh, to really scale using that. Have you dabbled in anything else other than the burst strategies? You mean in real estate or just in, in general? Investing, just general investing. Yeah. Uh, I have been looking into options trading, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about. Just opened my account recently and I'm going to fund it either today or tomorrow and uh, get started. A good friend of mine, Mark Loeffler, is kind of uh, guiding me through this a little bit. And uh, yeah, that's one of the things I'm looking at too. Very cool. Amazing. Now you invest with, uh, with your wife as well. Um, you know, is there, is there some tasks that you both do together? Is there parts that you, of the business that you cover that she covers? Um, I always yeah. like to ask, you know, as, as couples do real estate together, how they, they split those, those things. Yeah. So my wife is a realtor as well. And she doesn't love investing and like running numbers and finding deals and negotiating and all that stuff. She's more, she's good at what she does. She's good at working with buyers and sellers. So we have this agreement that uh, she'll continue to focus on that, grow the sales side of her business. And I would take on the majority of the investing side. So that's, that's worked out really well for us. We're both doing what we love to do. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors. On this week's episode, I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel from White's Elm Design Build. And Rob and Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that they offer their clients and they focus on Oakville to Hamilton and beyond, but they're really great. Like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to FaceTime or video call Rob or Joel, they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations. Because if you're thinking about doing a flip or a burr project, the reno part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's going to cost and what renos are going to be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly. They can also do physical walkthroughs. If you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with. They finished on time, on budget, which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades. They line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. 
and they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. That is whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Or you can send them an email, joel, J-O-E-L, at white elmdesignbuild.com or rob at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Good luck on your next projects. Now back to the show. Amazing. That's very cool. And you've got a, a podcast as well. I think originally when we met, it was uh, you reaching out and you had me on your podcast, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, and then you were on mine. Talk to us about, about your podcast. Yeah, it's the Well-Off Podcast. I do very similar things to what you're doing. I uh, constantly talk to people about their strategies to find out more about what they're doing to be successful in investing. And for the most part, it's real estate investing focused, but we also have sometimes, I don't know, things like accounts that come on or whatever, things that are, that are related to investing, but not, not exactly that. So a lot of the same sort of stuff that you're doing, just a, a different host, a, a little bit of a different flavor. <laughs> Cool. And that's on Apple and iTunes and all, or uh, Apple Podcasts and all that good stuff as yeah. well. Do you release one exactly. a week or is it, is it one a month? I can't remember. Yeah. It used to be one a month, but it's now one a week. All right. All right. So now you're, uh, you're interviewing and, and you're releasing them. So very cool. So, you know, obviously with, with 17 doors financing with, with CIBC, that's awesome. Are you, are you bringing in any joint venture partners or what are you doing with that? Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Like I, I, the way I look at it is it's an opportunity to help others and to grow together. And um, that's been amazing. Like the, the, one of the projects we recently did, we feel like we're they're, they're, the people that we're working with, their goal was to kind of fund their retirement. And so by doing this, like when we look at the returns, they, they would have never had that through mutual funds or through some of these traditional investing methods and um, that's been so rewarding just to, to look at somebody and say, like, I I'm doing this to help you and it's helping us as well. Like we're all, we're all doing this to grow together. And yeah, that's definitely working with partners to answer your question in a very long way. Okay. No, that's awesome. I mean, thanks. I, I always, I always wonder, right? Like it, sometimes it's people doing it by themselves. Sometimes it's using private money. Sometimes it's joy and, and there's always good and bad to each strategy. And it's all always interesting to see, you know, maybe walk us through the first time that you, you, you know, started working with a joint venture partner or one of the first, you know, some of the things that you want to keep in mind or have conversations with them about uh, before you go ahead and, uh, and do the deals. Yeah. The first, so I guess the first one that we did, we, we had some unexpected stuff come up, which usually happens when you're investing in real estate, but I think it's just really important to be uh, upfront as much as possible about the issues that you're having and just to be uh, to be an open book and kind of talk about the strategy, what the idea is and to set the right expectation. Because I think like the, the coach that I was working with always told me to set a five-year expectation. We're not, we're not going to be in and out. It's not a flip. Like you're, you're investing your money for five years. And if you end up pulling it out sooner, then that's good. Um, but yeah, when we, we came up with some issues of like non-paying tenants and whatnot and uh we just had to deal with it and tell, like, show them that we're taking action and do everything possible to get them out ASAP. And that's what we did, even though it took a while to get them out. It took, takes nine months or it took us nine months, I should say. 
but at the end of the day, everything worked out and we, uh, I think they're very happy and they're looking to do some more projects with us. So it's always a good sign. Good. I mean, communication is key. Being upfront with, with the downside, with the problems, the situation, and looking at it, uh, like you said, in, in you know, five-year increments or more, because that's where the wealth is created, is in holding for, you know, in my opinion, at least five years is where you're really going to see the difference. A year or two, you know, like when you're factoring in the taxes and, and the, the commissions and all that stuff, like, you, you, you know, you're not realizing the best potential, but I think you know, with, with your mortgage pay down over the five years, uh, appreciation year over year for five years, uh, and the cash flow is, you know, to me, that's, that's the minimum JV I would want to do. Well, yeah. And another thing that I just thought of, like, if you are um, doing a flip, you're, you're usually paying a capital gain or you're, you might be taxed on the, the proceeds on the sales proceeds, depending on where you're at. Uh, but that, that's the nice thing about the burst strategy. When you refi, you're not you're not taxed on the amount that you're getting from the bank. It's it's a huge benefit. Like you you will be taxed when you sell the property, but as long as you're holding onto it, you're not you're not getting taxed on that. So um, definitely a huge benefit if you are looking to get into the burst strategy. It's one of the things you should keep in mind. Absolutely, you know, tax deferred uh, cash to be able to reinvest it is always a great, great thing. And that's why I never flipped. And and you know, again, you could do really awesome in any any strategy. Just for me personally, like you said, the less tax I can give to the governments, the better. And yeah. <laughs> you know, than doing it legally, there's no reason you know to give them all this money. So. Uh, when you can, if you can refinance and, and just hold it to reinvest it tax deferred. So uh, yeah. talk to your accountant about that for sure. And and of course there's like different things you can do. Like obviously putting stuff in corporations is different than putting mm-hmm. it in your own personal name or, or whatnot, but you know, that is definitely a great strategy. So George, the next part of the podcast is the lightning rounds. I'm going to ask you a series of five questions that everybody gets. You can give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready to play? I'm ready to play. Let's go. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right, so question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? I'm just going to go with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know everyone probably says that, but that's, that's influential. So, cool. All right. Number two, and this doesn't have to be real estate per se, but do you have a favorite podcast? Favorite podcast. I'm going to, this is kind of probably a little bit weird, but I like the, uh, I like Oprah's super soul conversations. I just like all the, the different guests that she has on uh, all the theories and ideas that they have. So that's, I'll say that's my favorite. That's cool. You know what? I didn't even, I don't think I've listened to hers. I'll have to uh, tune in. Thanks for that. Yeah. Number three, what do you do for fun when it's not anything to do with real estate? I think I probably said this last time I was on your podcast, but I play chess. I play chess for fun. I get very angry when I lose, but yeah, that's what I, that's what I play for fun. Do you have, do you play in a league or like a tournament and stuff? I was looking to get into one, but then COVID hit. So mm-hmm. all of that got shut down. So I just play online and with friends. Like I got a couple of friends I play too. Okay. Awesome. All right. Question number four, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? Yeah, probably use the knowledge that I have, raise capital, 
get back into real estate and also uh, do some options trading. All right. And last question, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that money? Buy, get your hands on real estate somehow. Like if you got to go to Windsor, you got to go to Sudbury, wherever it is that you can afford to buy with that 50,000 and get your foot in the door and, and build from there. Amazing. Thanks for playing. And George, where can the listeners find out more and reach out to you? Just go to the website, welloff.ca. There are some resources there for you to download if you uh, want some free reports and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, that's the best place. Very cool. What free reports do you have? Just curious. Uh, One of them is like why you shouldn't invest in Burlington and Oakville and some of these other cities. Yeah. Um, So that's one of the free ones that I've got. I've got a roadmap to real estate investing. So a couple of things that people can download. Amazing. George, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.